0: Last week, as we picked up in the letter here in 2 Timothy, Paul writing to young Timothy, Pastor Timothy in Ephesus, he warns young Timothy, being in the ministry, it's not easy. It's not easy to be in the ministry. And as we find, as he continues to do what God's called Timothy to do, Timothy needs to be encouraged by his his, his leader, his spiritual leader in his life that has encouraged him in, through, in and through from his young life, now being in the ministry, how important it is to see what things are going to change in the last days. And he warns young Timothy about the last days. If you remember the first nine verses of chapter 3, he outlines 19 characteristics of, the, of the, what society was going to look like in the end times. And it wasn't going to be easy because these characteristics of these people are going to be degenerating. It's going to be debauchery that we'll be seeing in the lives of people who claim to have a form of godliness, but play the religious game, show up once in a while in the religious format, or at least declares very clearly and quickly to people, Of course, I'm religious. I belong to this denomination. I belong to this thing. Or I belong to this church. But their lives do not reflect a life that is following Jesus. And there's a difference, my brothers and sisters. You can live a life that in many times you can find where they're not even saved. But they've been going to church their whole life because that's what the family made them do. And then they started coming back once in a while. We call them CEOs, Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions. And they come back because the family, grandma, says you must come with me. Please, my last dying wish is for you to come, my my grandchildren, to to church. And we hear that and see that. Grandmas keep doing it. Because they might just hear his word and know that he is speaking to them directly. And they actually surrender their lives and, and become saved. So we'll take the CEO's. And then there's some who gave their life to Christ, but then they've done nothing with it. They've got their life in fire insurance, and they've never grown in their relationship with God because no one has taught them the Word of God. They're going to a place, or they don't go to church often enough, and they certainly don't read the Word of God on their own at home. And so they haven't grown. They haven't matured. They haven't changed. Matter of fact, their lives reflect a carnality that this Bible speaks of that is a miserable, miserable life. There's nothing worse than say that you know that you're a child of God because you you do remember giving your life to Christ, but then you live like the world. It, It is one of the most miserable lives you can have. But Paul encourages Timothy, Timothy, false Teachers, false imposters, legalists are going to creep into the church. Do not let those people sway you, Timothy. Stay focused on the Word, the Holy Scriptures, and teach the Word, Timothy. Live the the Scripture, Timothy. Be obedient to the Scripture, Timothy. Do not be swayed from the people who are going to tend in the last days to sway away and walk away from the true gospel and the true teaching of the Word of God. They're going to start leaving the Bible. They're going to start leaving the Bible at home. They won't even open it up, even in the churches, and study the Word. They just are just going to talk about the things of man and society and social gatherings. So as we see this, that's the context of understanding at the last part of this verse. Now Paul teaches Timothy, here's the, the reality, Timothy. This is what it's going to look like in the lives of people who say they're godly. But how do you deal with that, Timothy, as a pastor? And how do you help your people who are coming to listen? This is what we're going to pick up here in verses 10 through 17. But we're just going to go to 15 today, Lord willing. Let's pick right up here. Because we must commit to a faithfulness of God. We must commit to the faithfulness of God even through opposition and difficulty in society. We must Understand that he, we saw last week the predictive, terrible times that will become upon us as a church body. in society as a whole. And even during that time, the, speak, the scriptures speak to the last days and what it's going to be like. And we are not to be deceived. We are not to be going, oh, I can't believe that this is happening. No, you know it's happening if you're reading the word of God. You are not going to be saying those words. You're going to say exactly what the word of God said. This is exactly how it's playing out. This is, God, you're coming back soon. I'm so excited. And you should be. But we see here persecution for to those who are following Jesus. And he's going to now show the contrast from the 19 characteristics of a degenerated society to what it should like in regards to following a true a righteous or a a right spiritual leader in the eyes from the scriptures. And we see this, Paul says here in verse 10 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, But you, but you, Timothy, have carefully followed what? Followed my doctrine, matter of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and at Deconium, and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, (laughs) you can hear him say, yes, Timothy, and yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. (laughs) Now, let me tell you here, Verse 12 alone will make you shake a little bit. Why? Because some of you have your little promise books and you go through your little promises of God every day. You don't find that one in verse 12 in your little promise book, now do you? <laughs> that's why they never make these promise books with that verse, I have no idea. Because it's a pretty good promise that's pretty clear for all of us as, as, as children of God. If you desire, there's a key word, if you desire, you can be saved and not have a desire to live godly. But for those who choose to follow Jesus, you will not only have a desire, but you'll have a desire not only to be saved, but desire to live a godly life according to the Holy Scriptures. Not according to me. Not according to your, your even your grandma. Unless I your grandma or whoever else you've been listening to is teaching you and following the Holy Scripture then those are good examples Paul says to Timothy that is a good example so we take a look at the very beginning here in verse 10 he starts up but but you Paul has just described the kind of people that will be threatening the earth in the last days and yes it is a threat to us People who are living that kind of lifestyle in a form of godliness is a threat to society. It's a threat to the body of Christ. And we see that Paul makes it very clear to Timothy, we, Timothy, you're going to have to contend with these people. You're going to have to contend with these religious people who are saying one thing, they're godly, but they live a completely different life and go against the scripture. It will be a threat against the body of Christ. And you must deal with it, Timothy. That is what you're to do as a true, uh, uh, biblically-based preacher, a teacher of God, a minister, a ministry, pastor, an elder, This is your role, Timothy. Paul drew very clear distinction, a very clear contrast in his writings here. Timothy, that's what these people are going to live like, but you, Timothy, you have carefully followed. Carefully followed is a key word here because he's made Timothy separate the fact that his life reflects not of the spirit of this age in the last days that he talked about in verses one through nine. But Timothy is carefully living according to the scriptures, according to the ways of God, not to the ways of this world, not to the ways of the flesh. And so he's telling and encouraging Timothy through this exhortation Timothy, I know you carefully have been watching. I know carefully you're keeping account of everything you're thinking and saying and doing. You're bringing those thoughts under captivity that are not of God. You are not going to places and doing things that would not reflect the glory of God in your life. I know this is what you've been doing. Why? Because it says right here, you've been following my doctrine. The truths of God that I've been teaching you, Timothy, this whole time. You've been listening and you've been applying the truths. That's very, very, very important. Many people will sit and hear Sunday after Sunday the things that God is saying right from the scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. But my brothers and sisters, are you applying it? Are you practicing it? Timothy was. And Paul could see it. Timothy, I know you've been following my doctrine, the truths of God that God has given on my heart to share with you. That God has given to us today in the form of these letters, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. This is God's word given to Paul to write down by the power of the Holy Spirit so that, that they could be given to Timothy and to us today. The question is, do you believe that? Because it's true, regardless of how you feel. And regardless of what you think, it's true. So he says here, you're following my doctrine. You're carefully doing this. Paul did not merely teach Timothy these things. He didn't just say, let me just teach you, like an academic senses, like uh, you went and got your degree, you got your academics, you've gone through the school, you've checked the box, you've, you've taken, gone through, you suffered through the course, you've gone through this many Sundays, and now you become a member. Or you've done this, and you've done that. All these little checklists that religiosity can get involved in, and legalism. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, there's a difference between being taught and caught. There's a thing where you could just be taught over and over and over again, and you go, yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, not this again. He's going to say this again. No, we must get to the point of being taught where it comes to a point where being caught. You can actually catch it and apply it and do it to your life. That's what Paul is talking about. That is what I'm trying to tell you all today and encouraging you. Make sure it goes from the knowledge into being application. Just don't be hearers of the word we see in James, but be doers of the word. And that's what Paul is talking here. It's not only taught, but it also caught by seeing it lived out in your life and the life of other people. Paul had nothing to hide. Paul was as transparent just like his Lord, his master was. And you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 20. I spoke openly to the world. And at the very end of that verse, he says, and in secret I have said nothing. I mean, I had nothing to secret little gatherings and little whispers over here and I only said things over here with these people and I was over here saying these little things. No, he was transparent. Paul was transparent. Timothy is transparent in his life. There's no little secret things going on. Timothy had lived and labored with Paul and knew this man well. Timothy knew Paul. It wasn't just some figure up there behind the podium. Paul was involved in Timothy's life. Timothy was involved in Paul's life. He knew him. He wanted to get to know him. He wanted to follow. And it all began with Timothy catching Paul's doctrine, the true faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason Paul was in the ministry is because of Jesus and no other reason. Paul knew clearly he was called by God to do the things God called him to do. And Timothy could see it and hear it and watch it and saw it lived out in Paul's life. One who was devoted to Jesus Christ as his Savior. Is that you? Is that me? Do people see in our lives a life devoted to serving God? Following God? Loving God? Over time, finding that we're less of the world, less of the flesh, but more of Christ. Is that a reflection of what people see? Paul was certainly emphasizing to a point to Timothy here to stay away from these false spirituality and stick to the basics. Stick to the truth of God. Don't get wrapped up in these false spirituality things that are going on. All these experiences that are like the ways of doctrines that are sweeping through the churches. Don't pay attention to this stuff. Don't be listening to those type of teachers. They're just going to cause problems and confusions and, and division within the body of Christ. Stick to the scripture. No matter how appealing a preacher may be, how entertaining he is, and how great the music is, and how splendor the building may be, it's not about that at all. He doesn't not... Sitting here, it's all about the building, it's all about the music, it's all about the experience and the coffee. Even though we have great coffee, don't get me wrong, we, it's not about the food. It's about the spiritual food. It's about the teaching of the Word of God and you understanding it and being able to apply it. That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Stick to the, to the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, and he does not... Any person who's teaching falsely does not; it should not be supported. Should not be supported at all if they're not teaching the Word of God. They should not be supported. I don't care if they're on the radio or if they're on TV or online. I don't, you should not be te- supporting someone who's not teaching purely the Word of God. And we have a great problem today because lots of great orators and speakers, uh, preachers, are not teaching just the pure word of God. We've, taught, we've learned that in the early part of the, of the letter because what they do is they talk about psychology, the psychology of today, the, the ways of man, and, the, and, the, and, the, and they mix that with this motivational selling techniques and positive thinkings, and, and they sprinkle it with a little bit of Bible, and you get a little sprinkles, and it makes you feel like you're actually having this religious experience. In actuality, you're not. Just because a little Bible with a man's wisdom and motivational speaking and selling doesn't help you grow. It doesn't help you get grounded when things get difficult. And that's why we must be beware of that type of teaching because that's what's happening here. Paul was saying, Timothy, beware. But now, Timothy, I know you are following my doctrine i know you're following the truths of god in his word the second thing that he says is yet you're following me in the manner of life these this was a certain way that paul lived paul lived a certain way in life and timothy was around him enough to learn it and watch it and actually mimic the good things that was in, in paul's life maybe it was his prayer life that he watched Remember the disciples were always watching Jesus and how he prayed and they desired to learn how to pray like he did. Paul must have had a tremendous prayer life and people could see Timothy could see that he had a tremendous prayer life or a devotion to reading of the sharing and and leading people to Christ he, and he wanted that life of manner of life how he treated people in the in the in the in the t- town square How he he responded to family members, maybe. How how he reflected and how he handled people who were confrontational against him. And how he lovingly helped them understand the truths of God. But Paul practiced what he preached. He didn't just say it, he actually lived it in his life. And he did not preach sacrifice, die of self and sacrifice, and turn around and live a life of luxury. He didn't. When he said, I'm going to live for Christ and I'm willing to do whatever it takes that Christ is calling me to do, it reflected in his actual lifestyle and how he lived on a day-to-day basis. Not just on Sundays, not only when at church, but who he was was the same in the church, at work, at home, in his neighborhood, or by himself, and no one was there except the Lord. And Timothy could see that. Timothy caught that Paul's life, manner of life, and how he did it, he says, I want to have a life like his. Not only the manner of life, but also the life of purpose. Timothy caught Paul's life of purpose because Paul's life had a purpose. His purpose was what? It wasn't without direction. He didn't just wander aimlessly in whatever I feel like today. I'm going to just do whatever I feel like. My flesh feels like this. I'm going to do it. If I feel like going there, I'm just going to go do it. No, his life had a purpose. He knew when he woke up. He said, Lord, what do you have for me today? And he knew, Timothy knew that Paul was going to do what God was directing him to do. Because that's all that mattered to Paul. That's all that mattered to Timothy. I just want to be about my father's business. I just want to do what pleases him and not myself. I want to live a life that has purpose. And Paul's life of purpose was to glorify God in everything he said and done. That was his purpose in ministry. God, you called me to do this for you. And I want to be faithful in doing it. Timothy says... That is the life of someone I want to follow. That is my life. I want to reflect that. I want to have a closeness with God just like Paul. So I too will have a purpose. Do you know you have a purpose? A calling as a child of God? That God has a calling on your life? A purpose? If you haven't discovered that, I pray that you will spend time seeking God. I recommend fasting and praying. And ask God, what is my purpose that you have for me? What is it that you want me to do for you that pleases you? And I pray, because he's not going to hide that from you. He's probably, it will just come to light, what he's already been trying to show you your whole life. But you were so focused and wrapped up in yourself, you were not entertaining what anyone else had to say, especially God. But he wants to share with you what it is. And Paul wanted to do God's will. And to finish the work that God gave to him and do it to to the faithfulness that God has called him to do it. And to be a faithful, well done and good and faithful servant. Paul also caught Paul's faith and long suffering and love. We see that you could see in Paul's life, Timothy, of a man of faith. He didn't live by sight, he lived by faith. He knew that God was in control, that God could see all things. God knew all things. God was present everywhere and he knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was in control and he lived his life by faith. Because not everyone else was living by faith, but Paul, Timothy could see in Paul's life that he was doing that, and that's what Timothy wanted. He caught that. Timothy wanted to catch that, that deep faith in God in every aspect of his life. Not only that, but it would lead to this long-suffering, a a characteristic in this this godly man of Paul, and also a godly man of Timothy. He was not only a faithful man, but he wanted to be a long-suffering man, one who is willing to deal with a lot of little irritants that can pop up in, in daily life. But not only irritants, of little irritants and, and inconveniences. He long suffered through those, but he was also willing to be long suffered by the attacks from people in the ministry. The critical spirit people who are always seem to be negative and always critical spirited, always looking for the, the, some faults and, and, and shortcomings within the lives of people. Those people you must watch out for. Because you must understand that will divide and and cause such problems within the body of Christ of a critical spirited person, a legalist. You cannot be that person. You must change. Be of someone who is a faithful person, who is long-suffering, and one shows grace and kindness. And especially here we see Paul highlights One of love. One who's willing to make a stand and stand for God and stand for others. He was a man of love. The word here in the Greek is called uh, charity. It means who's willing to give himself to serve others. A critical spirit person who's not loving is not want to serve people in a right heart way. They may have a reflection of the of godliness that they're serving, but they don't do it with the right heart. They say they're long-suffering, but they really are not long-suffering. You just can't see what's going on in their heads. They say they have faith, but when you don't watch their lives, you see that they're doing nothing but in the flesh and worry and fear and all kinds of problems. They're not walking in trusting in God. We must get there. Timothy, you're there, my brother. Paul says, you're there. You've caught it. You've applied it. And you've been practicing your whole life. You've been working this out. But do not... Do not take your eyes off of what you've learned, Timothy. You must stay on this because I know these false teachers are going to come in and try to test you. They're going to come in and try to persecute you. There's a guarantee. Do not take your focus off the Lord. Because it will be tested. You will be tested in your life. We also see there's going to be perseverance. You must have this perseverance that must be done. Paul held uh, to Timothy, he says, carefully follow. You must, you must, you must, you must continue to do what I've shown you to do. You must. Why? Because perseverance is key. Persecution's going to happen, affliction is a guarantee in your life, Timothy. It's going to happen because Timothy also caught that these, these were part of Paul's life, that Paul, God had worked this into Paul's life through this perseverance of, in the ministry, through all the persecution, through all the affliction that he he was experiencing. Timothy could clearly see that God was working in and through Paul's life through each of those circumstances. We might think that the person who lives their life with the right doctrine, always oh, got the doctrine down, the truth of God down, man. Look at his life, the, matter of, the manner of life he's living. boy, he just seems to got it all together. Look at, he's got a purpose and he's just so consistent in his purpose of life. He's such a faithful man, Such a long-suffering man such a loving man. You would think when you see a person, a man or a woman that looks like that and inscribes like that and people can see that, you would think everyone would accept them and not come against them. How can anyone go against a person who's so faithful and so loving and so long-suffering Who seems to have their life just so focused and purposeful. And matter of life was such an, an order. Why isn't that person being accepted? Because the brighter you become. As you walk with closer to Christ. Those who love darkness. Will absolutely hate you. It's just what the scripture tells us. Paul says, do you remember Timothy? Do you remember Antioch? When Paul, we see in Acts chapter 13, verse 50, when he was out in there preaching the gospel, and they kicked him out for preaching the gospel there. Light affliction. He moved on to Iconium. There they kicked him out. They said almost executed him by stoning him. We see that in Acts 14, verse 5. Gets a little bit more intense, doesn't it? But then he gets to Lystra. He mentions to Timothy. Remember Lystra, Timothy? This one was probably more dear to Timothy than ever before. Why? Because Timothy was from where? Lystra. Lystra. Remember in Timothy, remember Paul when he went into Lystra? He was actually stoned to death to a point where he was leaving him for dead outside there in Acts 14 19 until God just raised him up and brought his strength back before completely dying and raised him up. And then what did Paul do? I'll go back into the city and continue to preach the gospel, the good news. Timothy was a young, young teenager. And then that missionary trip of Paul. Can you imagine if Timothy was the one sitting there watching and seeing this all played out as a young man? Paul saying to Timothy, remember Lystra? That might have been a pivoting time for that young man to see a man named Paul being so committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. That he said, I want my life like his. Amazing how your life and my life can literally lead a young man or a young lady to a commitment to serving God. Parents, your job is the most important job, ministry that God has given you to be an example to the children, his children he is giving you, so that your children will say, I want to be just like my dad. I want to be just like my mom. Why? Because they reflect the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only because they know it, but they caught it, and they must continue in it as a parent to teach their children the ways of the Lord. That's the most important ministry you have if God has blessed you at this point in your life with children. And he says, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Timothy, remember? Yes, they try to kick me out. Yes, they try to stone me. Yes, they threaten my life. They they have done everything to me physically. They've actually do it to me. God has delivered me through it all. Now remember Paul is in jail right now writing this letter. Paul has no idea if God was going to deliver him out of the prison that he finds himself in but it did not matter to Paul because Paul lived by faith and not by sight. He knew if God wanted him to bring him out of this jail he would have freed him from that jail just like he did with the stoning and all the other imprisonments that he's gone through. But if God chose not to bring him out of this prison he would die in that prison it was perfectly okay with Paul. Why? Because he knew he was going to be in the presence of his Lord for the rest of eternity. Embraced by his Savior. How much greater can that be? And Paul believed every bit of it. But he had to encourage Timothy. Timothy, you're going to go through some persecution, but God delivered me through each one of those, and he will do something in your life, guaranteed. We see in 1 Peter 4.4, 4, it describes the mindset of many of those who are socially persecuting Christians these days. We see in 1, Timothy, or 1 Peter 4.4, 4, They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dispense, uh, deception, or the word is debauchery in the, in the Greek, speaking evil of you. That's what the mindset of people who don't walk with God, even those who have form of godliness. They're like, why aren't you living like the rest of us in the world? Why don't you tell the dirty jokes? Why aren't you doing this and going to parties and watching these things? Why aren't you turning and tearing people down and getting, climbing the uh, ladder above these people? Why aren't you? T-? Because that's not who you are. And because that's not who you are, you're a reflection of Christ, you don't do those things, people are going to come against you. Some people today have the idea that godliness means escaping persecution. But Paul is saying here it's not meaning you're going to escape persecution. The closer you become and more and more like Christ, the more persecution you're more apt to get. But don't be afraid. God will deliver you. In fact, some, of, some level of persecution is certain for people who carefully follow the kind of life. Why? Because that's why Paul says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In our day today, we see Christians are being persecuted all over the world. Fastest growing the place of the church is in China. People who are under great persecution. The Muslim world is exploding for Jesus. Anywhere there's persecution of great persecution of the church is exploding for Christ. Places who think they've arrived and have a form of godliness, which certainly plays out in our country, there is not the growth that we used to see for many years. But as we see in the scriptures, expect persecution for those who desire to live godly lives here, even in the even in this in this country. Now that doesn't mean our, we might experience what the, the beheadings that we see in the Muslim world, or the torture and the imprisonment like we see in China. But socially, you could be cast out and shut down and persecuted and loss of jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But God is in control of your life, and we fear not. God knows what's best. Christians are persecuted for the same reason Jesus was persecuted. John three nineteen says, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That is why we will experience persecution as those who live godly lives. We see in John 15 verses 18 through 21. In the world, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The reason why the world hates you is because they hate me. That's it. Mom, Dad, why, why do the kids at school not like me? Man, I told them about Jesus and told them how God loves them. And they turned on me. They they don't like me at all. Son, it's because you represent Jesus. You're light. They love darkness. That's why. But be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. God is with you. Continue to show, show, show your light. Shine your light. God will take care of you. It continues. If you were in the world, and the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, then they will persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. That is why. That is why, Timothy, you'll be persecuted. He continues in verse 13, 13 and 14, he says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. So Paul says to Timothy, I'm going to just tell you right now, evil men, imposters, false teachers are going to come after you, man. Just expect it. It's going to creep into the body when you're teaching and and fellowships and stuff. People are going to creep into there. Just be aware. Don't worry about it. Don't be concerned. Just don't get deceived or being deceived. Because these people are being deceived and they're deceiving. That's what they do. But you must continue, Timothy. You must continue in the things which you have learned. Stay focused on the scripture. Stay focused on the things you've watched and learned from me. Don't deviate from this. Don't try to please these men that are coming in because they're getting a lot of attention and they're interesting and, they're, and they've got all the bells and whistles and they, they, they tickle people's ears because people want to lo- hear for certain things and they get these doctrines and they move away because their ears are being tickled. Don't be swayed by it. These people are just deceiving and they're being deceived by Satan himself. Not you, Timothy. You stay, you must continue in the things you were. Why? Because it's going to get worse, Timothy. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse as time gets closer and closer in the last days before I come back for my bride, you. It's going to get worse. There are two kinds of people, evil men and imposters. And they're going to get worse and worse as the days go closer and closer when the Lord returns for his bride. You know, motives. Motives are important. Motives are important, but we can sometimes place too much importance on the motive Much harm has been done to people who were sincerely deceived with tremendous motive, who tried to do wrong things out of a wonderful motive. And because people look at the motive, they think they know their motive and how wonderful and beautiful that is that they're doing it. Look at how much money they gave or look at how much food they fed those people. Look how... They must have such a beautiful motive. But what's the motive based upon? If it's based upon truth of leading to Christ then now you have motive and faith together. It's a good thing. But if the motive is to lead them to follow a false god, a false religion, a false going against the scriptures, then it's no Gouda. That's no Gouda. Because what now people do is, oh, they must have a good motive. No, be very careful of what their motive is based upon. And you must be aware of the motivation, is it based upon the truths of God? Because remember, the only way a believer will be able to tell the truth from the false is by knowing the Word of God. When you study the Word of God, you will pick up very quickly when the someone is trying to give you a line that goes against the Word of God. You can fake, you can... Pick up on the imposter, the fake, very quickly. But you must continue, Paul says, in the things which you have learned. It's a word that we see in the scripture to abide. You must continue or you must abide. That is very important, Timothy. It's the Greek word here. We see it in 1 John 2, verse 20. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. You must continue. You must abide in the truths that were taught to you. You must continue in these. Don't deviate from those. It was as if Paul wrote, Timothy, you've learned these things right now. You firmly believe them. But you must continue in them, Timothy, when you're challenged. When you're challenged in your faith, and you're challenged what you believe, You're challenged to say, you really believe the Bible? Really? You really think the Bible's from God? Are you really? It's living and breathing? It's inherent? Really? Well, I go to church and I don't believe that. I think it's just philosophy. You know, it's just a little bit here and there is maybe from God. The rest of it's just from man. That philosophy is deadly. Because the question I have to ask you, if you don't believe the whole Bible is from God, inspired of God, then that means you as a a human being will pick and choose what you believe is of God and what is not of God. And you will feel like you have the liberty of changing His words to fit your lifestyle. God warns us not to add nor delete from the Word of God. What do we see today? The Bible being changed all the time to fit the narrative of the fleshly world we live in. Very, very scary. And many denominations are falling because they've gone man's philosophy and man's ways and changing the word of God. Lord, have mercy. But Timothy, you must continue. You must continue in the things you've learned. You must understand. Paul had a pattern in ministry, a philosophy in the ministry, and that was to serve and not to be served. It was to give and not to get. It was to pour into, not to suck out of. It's not to fleece the sheep, it was to help the sheep. That is what ministry is about. That was Paul's ministry. That was mimicked or monitored or mirrored based on how Jesus did his ministry. That's how Paul learned. That's how Paul set his pattern of ministry is based on the Lord. It was all centered on God's word. The things which you have learned. The things you have learned. Are you learning the word of God? And that is why we do verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. All 66 books we want you to know from the beginning to the end. And you must continue in these things. Why? Because Paul said you must continue. Why? Because Paul led Timothy to that faith in Jesus Christ to know who clearly the faith that Timothy was putting his life into is to who he was in Jesus Christ. Paul led him not only to Christ, but he led him to Ministry opportunities. He led Timothy both to in the word and example in living it out. Paul led his, put his hands on him and ordained him in the ministry. Paul guided and mentored, discipled him up. Timothy, you must continue in the things I've taught you and the things you've seen. And then last verse, verse fifteen. That from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you must continue what you were taught even from childhood. What was he taught in the childhood? Do you know? He was taught the scriptures. He was taught the Old Testament because all he had growing up was the Old Testament. His mom and his grandmother taught this young man the Old Testament. That's where God was starting in that ma- young man's life at a very young age. It was Lois and, and, and Eunice pouring into this child, this young boy's life. And then God brought this, this man Paul to be an example and came into his life and then took him and discipled him from there. But it start from childhood, Timothy. remember what God used your mom and your grandmother to pour the scriptures into you, and now you've learned and growing and continue to apply that in your life as a young man, now in the script, in, now in the ministry. You knew the holy S- the scriptures. Now you must apply those and continue to apply those. Why? Because the epicenter of your faith is the Bible. Let me say that again to you, my brothers and sisters. The epicenter of your faith is the scriptures. That is how God speaks to you and I today is through and by the holy scriptures. You must be in the word of God. You must listen to the word of God. And you must do what God called you to do as he leads you by the word of God. And every aspect, regardless of the severity or the major- uh, how important it is or how minute it is. Listen and speak and spend time in the Word of God. He wants to speak to you. You must continue in the Word of God, the Holy Scriptures which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't make you wise and the, and, uh, uh, for the worldliness. It's not makes you wise in being up to date and, and hip in regards to the things that are going on around the world. and You got all the lingo down. That is not what the scripture does. The scripture teaches you and draws you closer and more in depth of a relationship with God. Through faith, in Jesus Christ. It's not through faith in the Bible itself. It's the fact that God's it, it, Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. It is how He speaks to us. And it bring wise for salvation. Remember, and I'll say it again so no one walks away from misunderstanding. We are not saved by believing the Bible. We're saved. As we see in John five thirty nine. We saved by putting our trust in Jesus Christ, who is revealed in the Bible. Remember, Satan knows the Bible. So just because you say you know the Bible doesn't make you saved. This is sometimes something each generation must acquire. And work through the appreciation for the word of God. And deliberately forsaking the wisdom of man. And opposing and going against those who teach against the word of God. Those things you must stand firm on. We don't think for a moment that Pure Bible knowledge saves you. It does not. Because there are many people I've known over the years of ministry that know the Word of God and memorize it tremendously. God's given them ability to memorize amazingly. But they're foolish when it comes to understanding how to apply it to their lives. There's no, there's no wisdom or wise for salvation in their life at all. They just know the Word. But they also know 20 other different false religions as well. What is the relationship of the Bible? And I'll close today with this. What is the relationship of the Bible to salvation? Why is it so important that you must and I must continue to read and apply? The Holy Scriptures to our lives. Here's a few. For those taking notes. The Bible reveals our need for salvation. It's a mirror for you and I to see how dark and how dirty we are in God's sight. And that we need to change. The Bible explains that every lost sinner is condemned already. We see that in John chapter 3 verses 18 through 21. Go back and read that today. And the need of a Savior. It brings light to the fact that we need a Savior in our life. The Bible also makes it clear that a lost sinner cannot save himself. You cannot save yourself. And the Bible tells, shows us that clearly. But the Bible also reveals that God's wonderful plan of salvation, Christ died for our sins, and if we trust Him, if we will choose to accept Him as our Lord and Savior and surrender our lives to Him, by faith, He will save us. And we see that in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Bible also helps us Helps give us the assurance of our salvation. And you're saved by putting your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. You have the surety of salvation. We see that in 1 John chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. And then the Bible becomes our spiritual food to nourish us each day so that we can grow in grace. And serve Christ. And the Bible is our sword. The Bible is our sword for fighting Satan. And overcoming the temptations in this life. And here's the last question my brothers and sisters. Do you know what else the Bible does for you and I? Well. Stay tuned, you must continue next week as we take verses 16 and 17.